You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. Today, we have our first crossover of the 2021 season, which means it must be almost time for real football. Luke Braun from Lockdown Vikings will be joining us in segments two and three of the show today. We'll talk about what's going on with that Minnesota Vikings offense in our first segment with Luke. That'll be the second segment of the show. And for the final segment of today's show, we're going to talk about some of the really interesting matchups, the individual matchups that could go a long way in deciding this game. But first, let's get caught up on the news, James. We've got only one player listed as a limited or non-participant in the Bengals' first regular season practice of the year, and that's as expected. Trey Waynes did not practice for the Cincinnati Bengals on Wednesday. Full participants in practice were the tight end who suffered a concussion in the preseason, Mitchell Wilcox, and backup center Trey Hill, both of them dealing with minor injuries, but full go for the first practice of the regular season. This is about as healthy as the Bengals could ask for, right? I mean, think about all the injuries we were talking about last year at this time, and that happened during the preseason and in training camp, where there was no preseason, in training camp. And now, look, I get it. Trey Waynes is out. We'll talk about uh, how important of a loss, how big of a loss that is with a guy who's honestly more familiar with Trey Waynes than we are in Luke because he covered Waynes in Minnesota for years. But uh, with that said, I, look, all, every other starter is ready to go. And I think that bodes well for the Bengals. That's about all you could ask for. If I would have said that at the start of camp, uh, I think we would have taken it. And yeah, Trey Hill, certainly someone I would expect to be active since he's your backup center. And, and Mitch Wilcox, you know, we'll see there, but uh, certainly someone when you, you have three tight ends, you, you might see all three of them active on game day. I think Mitchell Wilcox is likely a game day active right now. I think he's mm-hmm. probably a special teamer that's going to play at least in like kickoff coverage and that sort of thing. And We'll see if he cracks any other of those special teams units, or maybe he's not a starting special teamer and the Bengals just roll with the two tight ends. They're not going to play extensively in two tight end sets anyway. So even if they do lose one to a short or long-term injury, it's not really a big deal. They'll just go 11 personnel the rest of the game. A couple other things to talk about, James, before we kick the crossover off will be the press conferences from Wednesday. Zach Taylor doing a bit of a rah-rah speech during his press conference trying to encourage fans to come out to the stadium and be loud it reminded me a little bit of a of a high school pep rally where the principal was trying to hype up the student section but uh i mean you know point well taken go go down to the stadium be loud and and provide that 12th man feeling that was totally absent across the nfl in in 2020 and and much more interestingly joe burrow had his first press conference of the regular season and we've heard plenty from Burrow, but this was a bit of an extended press conference and there were some interesting tidbits. The first one that stood out to me, James, was when he discussed his increased comfort level going into year two in the NFL, just having seen more defenses, more looks than he had seen, obviously, before coming into the NFL. The the NFL defensive coordinators are going to throw at you as a young quarterback 
a bunch of looks that you never saw in college. These are just defenses that don't exist at the college level. And Joe Burrow got his first taste of those in his 10 weeks of his first NFL season. It'll be interesting to see how he reacts to a Minnesota defense that, as you'll hear from Luke a little bit later on, is really good at disguising what they want to do. And we'll try to get into Joe Burrow's head, try to try to use his pre-snap abilities against him. But I thought that it was interesting that he talked about his increased comfort level, the expanded ability to get into different checks at the line of scrimmage this year compared to his rookie year. For sure. And it's it's something that the coaches kind of said, ah, he's he's always had that freedom, but it's a difference between having that freedom and the book being completely open. And I think that's the the case right now with Burrow. Yeah, he was given that freedom and he earned that. But now he just feels much more comfortable, not just with what they ran last year, but all of this new stuff, some of this wide zone stuff. You're, you're not going to see just all these LSU concepts. There's going to be some some new wrinkles in this offense that, uh, you know, that we didn't see last year. And that's exciting. And hopefully that means for more offense and better production. And look, it starts with Burrow. Like if they're going to beat the Vikings on Sunday, then Joe Burrow has to be really good against a, a defense. That doesn't mean huge numbers. That doesn't mean 500 yards, but he has to play at a high level against a defense that probably read all the press clippings about how they were awful last year. And they were bad for a Mike Zimmer led type defense. And I think they have a lot of talent and it's going to be uh, quite a challenge uh, to go up against a guy like Mike Zimmer and not only the season debut, but your first real game that matters. That wasn't a three play. I know I'm coming out after three, three plays and it not really count for anything type of performance. First real game since November. Yeah. I think when you talk about him needing to have a good game and you, you immediately mentioned it doesn't mean 500 yards. Right. And so what does it mean? It means, well, getting the Bengals offense into the best situations, not making mistakes with the ball, not getting fooled by the Mike Zimmer defense that is going to, one, try to show the same thing pre-snap quite frequently, and two, try to give you indicator, false indicators all over the place. And Luke will talk about some of those when we chat with him a little bit later on. So that part of the game, very important. You mentioned the wide zone stuff being new. And, and Joe Burr will have to navigate those checks, getting the team into the right looks from under center instead of taking, you know, the the massive majority of his snaps from shotgun as he did his rookie year. We're going to see him a lot more under center. I also thought, James, your questions to Joe Burr about Jesse Bates were kind of interesting. And since they were your questions, I'll let you talk about them. Yeah, look, the regular season, we're recording this on Friday or uh, Wednesday evening. But a lot of people are going to be hearing it or watching it on Thursday, which means we're talking three days away from the start of the regular season. And number 30 is unsigned. He's 24 years old. He's done everything right. He clearly wants to stay in Cincinnati and has made that known. And no, I don't know the numbers. I'm not sure exactly how negotiations have gone, but there is no deal. And so I I was curious, and I'm not going to say, hey, Joe, have you talked to Jesse about his deal? Because he's going to be like, no, I have not talk to him about his contract. I doubt he would say that. But I asked him about how important, how valuable Jesse Bates is. And he basically, Burrow said that Bates is the guy that makes the defense go. And he didn't mince words. And I'm sure he knew what my angle was. He's no doofus. He knew exactly where I was going with it without bringing it up. And he had nothing but praise for Jesse Bates, as did uh, Logan Wilson. And that's the thing to me is, the message it sends 
to the locker room if you do not extend Jesse Bates before week one because you want to negotiate with him and not just negotiate, but potentially be unreasonable, like 12 million per year for Jesse Bates. And I'm just throwing out a number and speculating is unreasonable. It's an insane offer. So if that was the offer, that's ridiculous. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if Burrow knows what the numbers are, right? Probably not. I doubt they talk about business like that. But I just wanted to get a feel for that because that's something that if you're Burrow and you have a notebook out and and you're just taking notes of different things that happen throughout your Bengals career, if Bates ends up getting franchise tagged, I think that'll that'll certainly go in the notebook and, and not in the, the positive side of things. Could also be exactly what you're seeing in the news right now with TJ Watt, where the Bengals are a team like the Steelers that do not yep. give guaranteed money outside of signing bonuses. And if Jesse Bates's camp is looking for higher guarantees and the Bengals usually do, I think that's very, very likely the sticking point, something that we'll watch for the rest of the week. And, you know, the one thing on the Bengals side here, I guess, from a football perspective, I think you make great points about rewarding players that do things the right way is they, they do have the franchise tag in their back pocket, which I really, for the record, do not like for the player at all. But uh, for the Bengals and and for the way they might need to go about building this roster, at least that option is there. And I, I don't think there's much pressure for them to use it anywhere else next year if it does come to that. But, you know, I think we all hope that is avoided because, as Andre Perotta would point out, he just keeps getting more expensive, does Jesse Bates. Coming up next, let's get into this week one matchup. The week one opponent, the Minnesota Vikings, Luke Braun, will join us from Lockdown Vikings to tell us what's going on with Mike Zimmer's team in Minnesota. Attention gamblers of all shapes and sizes, our friends at Manscaped have a can't miss bet for you today. The leaders in male grooming just launched their fourth generation performance package. The betting odds are in your favor when you use a lawnmower 4.0. Across the board, this is the package to get you in the mood for whatever your gambling heart res- desires. Ready to take the leap to male grooming royalty? Two million men already have. Join the Manscaped movement by going to manscaped.com and you'll get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code Locked On. The Performance Package 4.0 by Manscaped is the ultimate parlay to take your grooming to the next level. Again, you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code LOCKEDON at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the promo code LOCKEDON at manscaped.com. Fellas, don't gamble on shaving your balls with the wrong tools. Choose Manscaped. Trademarked. Your balls will thank you. Have you guys checked out Rivertown Inquiry and Apparel yet? We partnered with them earlier this week. Can't be more excited to do it because you're talking about a homegrown Cincinnati company dedicated to making shirts and products that you're going to love for years to come. There's nothing worse than buying a t-shirt and it lasts for a year or it gets stretched out after a couple of washes. You're not going to get the lack of quality. You're going to get high-end quality products and awesome looking t-shirts at Rivertown Inquiry and apparel. Their clothing is inspired by vintage looks that have already withstood the test of time. They've been in business for over eight years. And here's the beauty of it. If you're coming in town for a Bengals game and you want to visit them in person instead of just checking them out at rivertowninquiry.com, you can do you can do that. They have a place about 10 minutes away from downtown, 10 minutes away from Paul Brown Stadium in the heart of Oakley at 3096 Madison Road. Or like I said, go to rivertowninquiry.com and check everything out 
They're open 10 to 6 Tuesday through Friday, 10 to 5 Saturday, and 11 to 4 on Sunday. So they're open on game day. Plus, right now, you can get 10% off at RivertownInquiry.com with promo code locked on. So go there now, RivertownInquiry.com. Check out all the t-shirts, all the apparel. And when you check out, use that promo locked on 10. Save money, get quality at RivertownInquiry.com. We're now joined by Luke Braun from Locked On Vikings here to talk with us about what's going on in Minnesota with our old friend Mike Zimmer. It seems like there's always a Minnesota-Cincinnati connection, at least since Mike oh, Zimmer yeah. became the head coach up there. But Luke, welcome to the show. Let's start by talking about really, I think, a, a blow to the offense in Minnesota that is going to lead to some interesting strategic implications in week one. Irv Smith, who, yeah. if you listen to Locked on Vikings, I imagine you've been talking about him as a, a huge breakout candidate this year. People were gushing over his preseason performance. He unfortunately goes down for this season. The acquisition of Chris Herndon is conducted by this Minnesota front office. And Tyler Conklin, instead of Chris Herndon, is listed at the top of the depth chart. We know about Justin Jefferson. We know about Adam Thielen. We know about Dalvin Cook, but there was a thought in my head anyway that we would see a heavy usage of Irv Smith. Instead, he's hurt for the year. What is the adaptation by this Vikings offense without him? Yeah, unless Chris Herndon is a lot better than I think he is, I don't think the tight ends as they are right now are good enough to justify as much to tight end as the Vikings usually want to play. Um, so instead they'll rely more on 21 personnel with two running backs, AKA use a fullback more. Um, and they'll probably on third downs and on more pass heavy downs, you know, on third downs, they would do two tight ends because Irv Smith and Tyler Conklin are both fast. So you could basically do stuff you would do with a four wide team, but do it with, you know, somebody else, some, some better blockers in there and maybe even play action. If, if you, the down and distance is right, they'll go more three wide. They'll use more of a guy named KJ Osborne, who's a bit of a sneaky preseason breakout candidate who nobody's heard of, but he had this crazy preseason won the wide receiver three drop, uh, three job, more, uh, more Thielen, more Jefferson, you know, again, like you said, you guys know those guys, but they'll probably tweak the personnel usage a little bit, use a lot more of a fullback, a lot less of a second tight end. Um, and it'll kind of be Conklin, Dalvin Cook, Thielen, Jefferson, and then either KJ Osborne, Ham, Dee Westbrook is also kind of waiting in the wings, and they have a rookie in Amir Smith Marset as well. Let's uh, talk a little bit about Dalvin Cook because he's been a big uh, topic, I would say, this week on Locked On Bengals. Certainly, the guys at Paul Brown Stadium trying to figure out how to just slow him down a little bit. Let's uh, let's put you on our side just for a second. If you're the Bengals, what would you try to do? to slow down Cook, knowing that they are going to put Ham in at fullback in front of him and and really try to uh, get things moving and get him downhill. Yeah, I, I think the best thing that you can do is um, stack the middle and not just like load the box, you know, not just put Von Bell in the box, but I mean like the, the middle itself, those kind of first two to four gaps on the uh, either side of the center and guard. Um really load those, you know, get linebackers in there and stuff like that. And uh, just kind of keep guys in the gap that they're supposed to be. Um, the thing about Dal who usually would two gap, you know, who would like two gap on the Bengals defense typically, would it be DJ reader? 
Yeah, DJ Reader is probably the prototypical two-gapper out of their starters. You might see some of it from Josh Tupo. You might see Tyler Shelvin okay. get some extra snaps with DJ Reader just to put 700 pounds in those yeah. gaps if they want to. Yeah, so basically what I would do is never have a linebacker two-gap. That's how the Packers always mess this up against Dalvin Cook. Um Dalvin Cook is a liar. That's what I thought. He's a liar and he's a slalom skier. He's really, really good at tricking you into thinking he's going one way and then he'll, you know, shift a gap over really, really smoothly. And if you're keying on his hips, like most defenders do, his hips lie uh, and his feet will kind of take him to a to a gap that they're that it doesn't look like he was going to. And then you end up wrong and suddenly, you know, somebody who was two gapping ends up on the wrong side of the block. And he's really good at kind of maximizing offensive line blocks. So gap discipline is just huge. You just have to execute well against Alvin Cook. Um, if you get into the gap, he's not a, a jump cut you out of your shoes kind of back. He's not what Adrian Peterson used to be for the Vikings, um, where, you know, he would like juke you and leave you swinging at nothing. He's a guy that sets up his blocks, kind of finesses his way through it and finds his way into an open hole. He's plenty elusive in the open field once he's there. Um, but but if you get a guy into the backfield, that's not how he makes you miss. Um, so just good gap discipline and, you know, ask your linebackers to be plenty aggressive. And that's kind of the way that. You know, the Bears have had a ton of success against Dalvin Cook with Akeem Hicks, who's just a really disciplined, good player. Um, that's, I think, the best way to kind of shut that whole thing down. Just I know it's kind of a boring answer, but you just have to execute. I have two follow up questions. First, I was led to believe that hips don't lie and I'm confused. <laughs> Dalvin's do. <laughs> I'm going to go talk to Shakira. Second, uh, <laughs> you mentioned loading the interior gaps where I'm more concerned and this matchup is very interesting. We'll talk matchups, by the way, a little bit later on in the show, some of the individual matchups. But when I look at this team, I think Bengals solid up the middle. DJ Reader, Josh Tupo, Larry Joby, BJ Hill, whoever it is, I feel relatively good, especially because of DJ Reader at the nose tackle with how well he's played in the preseason. I feel good up the middle. Where I have some concerns is if Dalvin Cook gets to the edge. Do you think that with, with especially the the very skilled and newly extended right tackle Brian O'Neill, is, is is that a part of the game that Bengals fans should be concerned about? Dalvin Cook's ability to get outside and and run outside the tackles. Uh, yes. And my question, my my follow up to that is: Are your linebackers fast? Because if they're not fast, he's going to get the edge on you all day. Yeah. They're probably average speed. I, I, okay. They have some fast linebackers, but they don't they're not on the field in, in base it, defense right now. It, yeah, if they're like more kind of standard build, you know, thumper type linebackers that aren't, you know, I mean, the Vikings have kind of built a lot of linebackers that are like safety converts and they're like smaller but faster. And that is kind of what you need. Um, Dalvin Cook accelerates. He has a ton of burst and he will accelerate very quickly to the edge and him getting around the corner. Absolutely going to be a thing. And it is such a shame that Trey Waynes is not playing in this game because Trey Waynes is the best run support corner in the league. Uh, I know he hasn't played for you guys yet, but I will die on that hill. Best run support corner in the entire NFL. And he would absolutely be a key, key part of slowing down those outside runs. I said that, what, two days ago, James, the, the big loss with Trey Waynes, maybe the bigger impact with him is how is Eli Apple going to fill in run defense versus like mm -hmm. they might be similar, actually, in coverage to, to some extent. And anyway, uh, that is a, a funny callback, Luke, because we literally talked <laughs> about this, I think, two days ago.
yeah, it's 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 a shame he's not going to be there. But your your secondary kind of has to get involved to cover that edge if you don't have a linebacker you can trust to kind of keep up around the side. There is kind of a, a weekly tradition of Dalvin Cook of him getting some edge that he has no right getting around where the guy totally had the angle on him, but he just burst past it. We're going to get to the receivers and, and the matchups and stuff, but I do want to ask a little bit about Justin Jefferson. How is he different now? than he was a year ago when he goes out and has that record-setting performance. Is there any differences to his game? Has he added to it? Because uh, it didn't look like he had many weaknesses as a rookie. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't know what... Um, I mean, he was already a very all-around guy. You know, It wasn't that he was beating everybody one way, but he had this weakness or anything. Um, his releases still look really dynamic. He still has kind of his same stable of moves where he has that Euro step at the top of his routes, yeah. that rocker step, some people call it. Um, you know, really good breaks good at contested catches and stuff like that i think the biggest thing that i would say if i were to nitpick justin jefferson and it's hard to find something but he had a couple of untimely drops um and actually right before he so he sprained his ac joint in camp missed most of camp he'll play he's fine now um but he missed most of camp and the day he sprained his ac joint he dropped like four passes um it just seemed like an off day and then he goes down with an injury yeah kind of all forget about it but I don't know. You guys are kind of familiar with concentration drops from first round receivers. So <laughs> hopefully we don't see too much of that. What, first round LSU receivers. I no, yeah. that doesn't, <laughs> doesn't ring a bell. Uh, we've talked a lot about the offense here, Luke. I want to get into some of these defensive matchups as well, but as you can tell, James and I are probably thinking this might be a bit of a shootout between these teams, but let's get into some of those individual matchups in just a minute. As you know, if you're listening to this podcast, all eyes are turning to football. It is the regular season, and Bet Online is the number one spot for all of your pro and college football betting action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including Online's biggest NFL mega contest at a half million dollars and the largest survivor contest at $200,000, all right now at betonline.ag. You can get a 100% welcome bonus when you sign up today using promo code locked on and for the opening day matchup of the Minnesota sorry of the Dallas Cowboys and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers you'll get a $25 risk-free bet if you lose your bet up to $25 will be refunded if you use promo code NFL 100 that's for new customers only again check it all out at betonline.ag promo code locked on for that 100% deposit bonus at betonline your online sportsbook experts there is nothing worse than having unreliable transportation. And that's why you got to get to rockauto.com. They've been in business for more than two decades, helping you and me and everybody else across the country stay on the road and maintain their automobiles, whether it's a truck, van, car for less. So it, it could be something as in-depth as a fuel pump. If you're one of those do-it-yourselfers that has that capability, or if you're like me, and you can't do that, well, maybe it's something as simple as filters, a fuel filter, cabin air filter, getting that stuff done and doing it for less. Maybe you just change your own oil. RockAuto.com is here to help. So no matter the make or model, whether you drive a Daewoo, a Kia, a Honda, a Toyota like me, check them out right now at RockAuto.com. See all the parts available for your car, truck, and be sure to write Locked On in there. How did you hear about us, Box, so they know we sent you? Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. 
All right, keeping going with this crossover Thursday here in the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings here with James Rapine and Jake Lisko of Locked On Bengals. I want to talk a little bit about matchups um, because there are some really, really interesting matchups in this game that I just want to get into. And the first one I want to get into is on the edge. Uh, DJ Wanham won a starting job for the Vikings. And he is a length rusher primarily. His favorite move is a swim move. He's like a tall... Um, like Calais Campbell type rusher. Um, obviously not that good, but that's a style, you know, this kind of tall, get up and over you kind of guy. Um, and Jonah Williams doesn't have the arm length. That was like a whole thing about him going in the draft and he doesn't, he, he's got like sizing stuff. How do you think, I guess I just want to know how Jonah Williams is doing because if there is an opening to beat a guy with length and if DJ Wanham has learned how to use that, which are both two big ifs, there could be kind of a, a secret key to the game there. But I wonder what your thoughts are, Jake. You know, it's interesting because both Bengals tackles are built very similarly at this point. Riley Reef also similarly okay. has a length issue. And if you were to ask me what's the most concerning matchup or on the edge, anyway, certainly Daniil Hunter, most problematic pass rusher, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but instead, you ask me about DJ Wanham, who's a guy that I haven't been concerned about at all. But that's because I'm not following the Vikings in the preseason, right? I'm not seeing this progress from him. He's just a guy that is a name on the depth chart to me. And I think for me, I'm I'm quite confident in Jonah Williams' abilities, generally speaking, against length. It's an issue that was a question. Like the arm length was a question, certainly that. I think affected his draft status to some degree. I don't think that when that draft started and Joe and I were doing the show at the time, neither of us really thought that Jonah would be the guy that would get there. We thought it was going to be a linebacker. We discussed TJ Hawkinson at that point where the Bengals were picking, but instead Jonah Williams is the first tackle drafted and he makes it all the way to the Bengals pick. So the length stuff hasn't really shown up. I would say that he does have issues at times with extreme power. Like he, he will sometimes give it up to power just because he's a little bit smaller and it'll be a real battle here of does that length physical tool outclass whatever technique Jonah Williams is playing with because he's always made his living as a cerebral player as a player who is going to use his tools to their maximum even if they're limited by being really disciplined so that will be really interesting to watch the the technician the archetype of Jonah Williams is technician versus what you're describing as this length rusher in Wanham. Yeah, it's it is like the mechanics kind of versus the actual measurable physical tools. I I, I don't have a ton of faith in Wanham. I was not a huge fan of his rookie year. Um, if he's if he's come along and he's improved a ton, that's great. I've seen some in the preseason, but not a ton. But like stylistically, it's so interesting. I imagine that's interesting for the Vikings over the course of the season to have that other edge rusher with Daniil Hunter. I mean, I know Dalvin Tomlinson and Michael Pierce are really good players, but you've tweeted many, many jokes rushers, yeah. about how many nose tackles are on <laughs> that Vikings <laughs> yeah. roster. We're not going to talk nose tackles yet, but uh, maybe eventually we talk DJ Reader, Garrett Bradbury, because I think that does sure. have a really interesting impact on the game. But let's talk. We, we talked physical versus mental. Let's talk mental versus mental. Joe Burrow has talked a lot. Actually, on Wednesday, as we record this, he in his media session today was talking about how he's more comfortable pre-snap now. He's seen more of what NFL defenses do. He feels more comfortable getting into advantageous situations for the offense based on what he sees from the defense. There are two playmakers, though, in the middle of that Vikings back seven, I would say, in Eric Kendricks and in Harrison Smith, who I think are also really, really good mentally. And obviously, they're talented physically what can those two guys do 
to take Joe Burrow out of his mental game because I think there are probably some Bengals fans and I might count myself among them as thinking that Joe Burrow's mental game pre-snap is an advantage for this offense, generally speaking, or a strength for this offense. Can those two guys neutralize that? Um, Harrison Smith, I think, is probably more threatening in that way than Eric Kendricks, who, you know, Eric Kendricks and Anthony Barr have been playing together since their days at UCLA. So, I mean, they are there. They can just look at each other and know exactly what each other are thinking. You know, they've got that kind of best friend thing. Um, which can obviously help with communication and all that. But Harrison Smith is more or less running the show when it comes to the pre-snap uh, looks and checks and rolling and disguise looks and all that stuff. Um, basically, Mike Zimmer, and you guys know this, Mike Zimmer just gives safeties the leeway to um, just call whatever they see fit, basically, when it comes to the actual um, changes at the at the line of scrimmage. Harrison Smith can basically change the play call at the line of scrimmage if he sees fit. Zimmer gives that gives him that power. And so what you get is really good disguised looks. I'm actually going to cite Sands, who's on your guys' show a lot, um, who wrote an article at Sports Illustrated kind of previewing the Vikings. And I thought he did a really good job breaking down what they kind of do pre-snap, where they will give you all sorts of indicators and they know what indicators the quarterbacks are looking for. This isn't just roll a safety into the box and then that safety comes out right before the the play. There is some of that, but it's more that like they will, you know, put a linebacker over a slot corner to make you think that it's zone coverage and kind of take advantage of all that fun stuff Joe Burrow just learned um and kind of force that to be wrong. That is I think the the value of Harrison Smith. Now, that mental thing is a, a really interesting thing. And the Vikings have typically had a really good track record against uh, rookie quarterbacks and young quarterbacks in general. Um, but I think more for Burrow, he is going to be made wrong sometimes. So he's going to have to be able to kind of pull out that improv gene and say, you know, okay, this is not what I thought I was looking at pre-snap. Does he go with his progression anyways? That's where you get interception or does he know to kind of pull it down and and figure out something on the fly? And I think you saw both sides of Joe Burrow in that regard last year. At times, the improvisation was very, very good. At times, Baltimore happened and he <laughs> looked terrible. And we didn't get to see him go against Baltimore for a second time. But there's another defense that can really be difficult on mental quarterbacks. James, what matchup do we go to next year? Or is it Luke's turn? I well, think it's Luke's turn. Luke, you're up. Well, I, maybe it's the one you guys wanted to talk about. Let's talk about the DJ Reader Garrett Bradbury thing, uh, because DJ Reader is a power nose tackle. So the Vikings interior is this weird secret where the two guards who are actually both converted tackles, both had really strong summers. Ezra Cleveland played guard last year, struggled as a rookie. Seems like he's kind of things have slowed down for him. He moved back to his natural side. He's way more comfortable. And then there's Oli Udo, who nobody's heard of because he was a sixth round right tackle in 2019, who's been sitting on the bench. Um, they moved him to right guard on a whim and he never gave up the job. He just absolutely destroyed people. I mean, he shut down DeForest Buckner. It was insane. Um, so there is kind of some power there in the guards next to Bradbury, but Bradbury's always been a smaller center. Um, but what I think is interesting about it is in the run, he is, they call him the grim reacher because he does reach blocks and he can get across two gaps and get a two eye. So sometimes he might not even be against reacher. He'll be in against, you know, whoever your two eye or your three technique is. Um, but when it comes to that power, so my, my question, there's no question about DJ readers power. And I think he has a mm -hmm. huge advantage over Garrett Bradbury, especially in the pass rush there. And I'm definitely worried about that. But when it comes to run defense, 
how good is DJ Reader when he's stretched and when he's asked to kind of get very quickly from his alignment, you know, to another spot on the field against like an outside zone or something? Well, he he certainly showed his potential. That's the thing is he's coming back from the quad. But uh, what game was it? I think it was the Washington game, Jake. He he showed pretty well in the run mm-hmm. and, and blew up multiple runs and had a, a pretty good outing. We've only seen, uh, you know, 15 snaps from this first team defense, maybe a little bit more than that, but not a ton. But he made his presence felt really quickly and, and early in that Washington matchup. And that's the thing. The first thing is injury-wise is he – the DJ reader that they brought in and, and signed to a huge contract and made the highest paid nose tackle in the league. But then to your point, can he make that impact against the run and and do everything like we discussed uh, on this podcast where Dalvin's going to, to break it and slide into different gaps. And if he sees an opening, can, can reader get there and can he help these linebackers? And I think if the answer is no, then Dalvin's going to go for 200 plus uh, if he can, and he is that guy that we saw flash in Washington and he can do that for most of the game, then maybe they have a chance to, to slow Dalvin cook down. Yeah, actually that's a really good point, James against Washington. DJ reader was somehow sideline to sideline, which is not something you associate with nose tackle, especially coming off of a quad injury. But there were some plays where he got all the way down the line on plays that were running outside the tackles and was there to make the play. So it will be very interesting. Although you make a great point, Luke about, the reach blocks, if if it's that Bradbury is going to get out onto the three tech, that's probably going to be Larry Ogunjobi, where maybe that <laughs> matchup is a, I mean, Larry Ogunjobi played a lot of nose for Cleveland. He'll be playing three tech for the Bengals. Maybe that's a, an interesting one to watch instead. But then you get DJ Reader on these guards and it will be very fun to watch those guys do battle inside because I think that just has such an impact on Dalvin Cook's ability to run and thus the game script and thus the direction of the game and how much the Vikings will be able to keep the Bengals defense on their heels. And I think that's a a big turning point in this game, right? I've said multiple times on our show, I said it in the DMs to you when we were preparing that I thought whichever team ran the ball better early in the game and was able to keep the defense guessing a little bit more had a big advantage in this game. Yeah, I, I can't wait to watch those matchups in the middle. I've kind of morphed into like a trenches obsessed guy. I love watching guards go up against nose tackles and double teams and let's see if somebody can get a reach block. So I'm really, really excited to watch that. I think this one's going to be fun in the trenches on both sides. Some really interesting matchups for both the Bengals and the Vikings offensive lines. We are very appreciative of Luke for coming on and talking a little bit about this matchup with us. The next episode is a week one preview. Until next time, Bengals fans, hootay, and have a good one.